0: Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Matthew. Thank you so much for tuning in. You are listening to P40 Ministries, and this is your host, Jen, here. Now, before we begin our regular scheduled episode from Matthew chapter 13, I don't think I've ever explained once in my podcast why I call it P40 Ministries. So I thought it might be kind of interesting to describe that today. So if you've never heard my testimony before, might be something you might be interested in. It's actually on my website, and you can take a look at it. <clears throat> I actually wrote a whole blog post about my testimony and how P40 Ministries kind of began. Now, P40 Ministries stands for Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. And those two verses are, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. So those are the two verses that P40 Ministries is named after, and that is because they brought me so much comfort when I was going through one of the worst times of my entire life. And this was before I started the whole Christian blog or anything like that. And I first named the blog before the podcast even began. I called it Out of the Mire, which was also relating to Psalm 40. But I found that I couldn't really blog about much under that name. I could only really blog about stuff that was um, bringing comfort to other people or telling stories about people who were brought out of the mire. And so it was just a little bit too limited for me, which is why I decided to expand and just call it P40 Ministries, which is Psalm 40 Ministries. And now I can blog about whatever I want (laughs) because Psalm 40 actually covers a whole lot of topics. And my logo, which is the mountains, is symbolic because Psalms talks about mountains all the time. And I love mountains. I think they're beautiful. So I decided to create a logo that has mountains on it to really show the magnificent uh, splendor of both God's creation and the Psalms themselves, because the Psalms are all so beautiful. If you haven't gotten a chance to read many Psalms, I definitely recommend reading some. There are ones for every emotion that you might be feeling. If you're feeling happy, there's ones for that emotion. If you're feeling depressed or sad, there's ones for that emotion and just all sorts of other ones like that. But anyway, P40 Ministry stands for Psalm 40. And I wanted to tell you guys that story. Mainly because my podcast has been growing a bit and I appreciate all the new listeners I have. I wanted to ask you guys a trivia question before we begin and I'll answer it at the end of the podcast episode and it relates to my new followers and my new listeners. So here's the uh, the trivia question. What country after America do you guys think has the most listens to the P40 Ministries podcast? And you can go ahead and take your guesses. America is obviously the first, but there's another country that is second in line and I'll give you guys a hint, it is not Canada. <laughs> You guys probably won't get it, but you might. So I will answer that question at the end of the podcast. But let's go ahead and start reading. We're going to read Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 through 58 today. This will finish out the chapter and we will begin Matthew chapter 14 on Thursday. Today I will be reading out of the NLT version of the Bible. But of course, if you have a different version of the Bible, go ahead and read that one instead, or you can just listen along. Either is perfectly fine. Now, Jesus is talking in a lot of parables once again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into the crates, but threw the bad fish away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said we do. Then he added, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. I could definitely say that Matthew chapter 13 is all about parables. Jesus starts with a parable and ends almost on a parable before he is rejected at Nazareth. In verse 44 to 46, Jesus talks about two parables that kind of coincide with each other. The first one is him saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this great treasure that this man discovers hidden in a field. And this man, in his excitement, he sells every single thing that he owns in order to get enough money to buy this field. So this man in this parable finds this rare Treasure, this beautiful treasure that somebody hid, probably worth a ton of money, and he ends up selling everything he owns in order to get that treasure. Now, there's two ways that you could really think about this kind of parable. The first way is thinking about us. We are not supposed to store up our treasures on earth, but rather the ones that are in heaven. You know, heaven is the greatest treasure. Heaven is the, the treasure that we're supposed to be striving for. So we don't store up our, our earthly treasures. Rather, we focus on the prize. And we don't worry about our earthly possessions. For example, this man sold every single thing that he owned in order to focus on the prize ahead, which is heaven. And the same thing could be said about this merchant on the lookout for this choice pearl. Finally, he finds the most beautiful pearl he's ever seen in verse 46, and he sells everything he owns and he bought it. This could also be described as a man who is not looking at his earthly possessions, but rather focusing on that pearl, that choice pearl, which is heaven. And you know, not focusing on the things of the world, but rather setting his sight on the things that matter, not laying up your treasures here on earth, but laying them up in heaven. So there's one way you could describe this parable. Another way is you could be saying that this is Jesus. This man is Jesus. You know, he came down to earth and he didn't come down to earth as a prince or as a king. He was a king up in heaven. And yet he chose to come down to earth and gave up everything that he had in order to purchase us. And that is another way you could describe this because there are some people that say that, you know, we don't have Anything in order to get ourselves into heaven, you know, we don't have possessions that will buy our way into heaven, but rather Jesus is the one who bought us so that we might get into heaven. And he calls us the precious pearl or the precious treasure that he is willing to give up everything that he had in order to save our souls. So that's another beautiful way that you can look at these two parables here about the pearl and the hidden treasure. In verse 47, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven once again. And I I really like this parable because he's relating it to everyday life. I mean, his disciples were fishermen. And what better way to help them understand the things of heaven than to give them something that they can relate to? So Jesus says a fisherman's parable in order to get his disciples to really understand what's happening. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and it caught up all these different kinds of fish. It says fish of every kind. Now, finally, the net is super full and they drag it up onto the shore, sit down and sorts the good fish into the crates, but throws the bad ones away. And then Jesus ends up explaining this parable to his, his disciples. And he says, that is the way it will be at the end of the world the angels are going to come and separate the wicked people from the righteous so in other words this fishing net that is thrown into the sea catches up all these different kinds of fish jesus often calls his disciples fishers of men so these fish that jesus are referring to in this parable are people people of all nationalities and races and languages are getting caught up into this net jesus is currently right now catching up all of the people from the time that he died on the cross until now and in the future when he comes back he's catching up all these different people of all nationalities and races finally in the end he says the angels are going to come and separate the wicked people from the righteous they're going to throw the wicked people into the fiery furnace which we know happens at the end of time Jesus has already talked about the fiery furnace a few times now in Matthew 13. Actually, he he mentioned it once before, and he says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in the fiery furnace. And that is where the wicked people are going to go. This is a similar parable from the tares in the wheat that we talked about. I believe it was on Thursday that we talked about that. But the tares in the wheat, or I'm sorry, the darnel weeds is what we called them are the weeds that are going to get separated out. They look like wheat, but they're useless. They're not wheat. They're nothing. They're just an invasive weed. Jesus will cast those people out into the fiery furnace. The ones who are wicked, the ones who don't really want the things of God, the ones who don't care about the truth, deny Christ, or the ones who blaspheme the Holy Spirit. These are the same people they all blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So these people are going to be the ones that are cast into the fiery furnace. And if you want to learn more about the blaspheming the Holy Spirit, I talked about that one maybe a couple weeks ago. You'll have to go back and listen to that episode. So finally, in verse 51, Jesus asks his disciples after this particular parable of the fishermen, he asks his fishermen disciples, do you understand these things? So clearly he really wanted his disciples to understand that particular parable because he relates it to them. He then explains it. Then he makes sure that they understand it. So why do you think Jesus wanted his disciples to really understand that particular parable about the net and the fish and throwing the bad ones away? Well, I think part of the reason was because Judas was one of his disciples. And if you don't know the story of Judas, he is the one that betrays Jesus. In the end, he is going to be one of those fish that gets cast away because he chose to blaspheme the Holy Spirit rather than to believe the things of God. It says that Jesus adds at the end of this sentence, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. And that's an interesting statement that Jesus makes because he is saying that some teachers of religious law are going to follow me. For example, Nicodemus was one of them. We haven't learned about him yet, but he was one of the uh, teachers of religious law that did end up becoming one of Jesus's disciples and following him. He is mentioned in the end as being one of the people that helped bury Jesus after Jesus dies. So Jesus does say that not every Pharisee is a bad guy. Some will come to the truth. And the ones who do are going to be like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. So these Pharisees that choose to trust in Jesus and choose to follow the way of Jesus are going to be the ones that understand the truth of old, the truths of old. So I like that Jesus calls the Old Testament truths. Jesus was not a rebel. Like we make him out to be a person who didn't follow the law of God. He did, in fact, follow the law of God. And he's calling it right here a truth, an old truth. Truth. But these Pharisees are not only going to have the old truths from the Old Testament, but they are also going to have the new truths, which is the truths of Jesus Christ becoming the sacrifice for sins, which we will definitely learn more about in the coming chapters of Matthew. So to conclude Matthew chapter 13 here, Jesus finally finishes telling all these stories, these parables, and he leaves that area of the country and he travels home to Nazareth, probably to visit his family or for whatever reason, but he travels home and the people there reject him. They don't like him because they remember him as a little boy and they don't believe him because they're like, yeah, I remember you as a kid. I know your mom. I know your sisters, they all live around here. How could you possibly be the Messiah? And this is what these these people are thinking. Jesus ends up saying to them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. Even Jesus' family at this time did not believe he was the Messiah. And I don't know if Mary did or not at this point in time, but... Jesus's brothers definitely didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's pretty clear. It wasn't until later on, I believe, after Jesus died, that his brothers came around, or at least some of them did, and started understanding the new truths along with the old, like what Jesus says there in verse 52. And in verse 58 here, which this is fascinating, Jesus only did a few miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. So he was limited in some way by these people's unbelief. I do believe that God can do everything and I believe that Jesus can do everything, but I do think it takes a certain amount of faith. And when we don't have that faith, God often doesn't work in our lives. It takes faith for God to work in our lives. And Jesus often says Many times in scriptures, go, your faith has healed you or go, your servant has been healed because of faith. You know, he talks about faith so much and faith has a lot to do with God moving. And I'm not exactly sure why or for what reason that is, but it does. And it probably has more to do with the heart in all honesty than anything else. If somebody is unbelieving, This chapter, Jesus talks all about people who are unbelieving and choose to be unbelieving. They're not able to understand the things of God. So why should Jesus do miracles? He's just going to get scoffed at. He's just going to get shunned by the people. Their hearts are just going to be hardened even more when they see these miracles being done. That's a possible reason why Jesus did not do more miracles in Nazareth, because his countrymen were rejecting him. All in all, I find Matthew chapter 13 to be kind of a depressing and sad chapter. Just the amount of unbelief that the people have for Jesus is kind of astounding, considering they're seeing so many miracles that he does. But join me on Thursday. We will be in Matthew chapter 14. And that episode will start at 6 a.m. Tomorrow, we will be back in the Old Testament in Genesis. And I absolutely love doing the Genesis chapters. I am learning so much from the book of Genesis. I just love it. It is a lot of fun. It is history. Definitely join me. I've noticed that my listenership on the days that I do the Old Testament episodes is significantly down. And part of me does wonder why that is. But, but seriously, the Genesis episodes are really cool and they're really interesting and very historical as well. So join me for those 6 a.m. on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. In answer to the trivia question I posted at the beginning of this episode, I will now give it an answer. Drumroll, please. My most listened country after America is Belgium. So thank you everyone from Belgium who is listening in. I'm actually astounded by uh, the amount of downloads I have in Belgium. Now, I do want to say that Spain is a very, very close third after Belgium. But once again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. I do appreciate everybody who listens in. Don't forget to go to my website, www.p40ministries.com to take a look at my testimony, why I started P40 Ministries and how the name came to be. I will drop a direct link to that in the bio of this podcast episode. Happy listening and God bless.